Well, good morning, Putnam City Baptist Church. It is, yeah, thank you. There you go. You can talk back. Man, it's good to be with you this morning. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn, if you would please, to the book of Numbers. Numbers 13. We'll begin in verse 2 in just a moment. I know what you're thinking. Turn to the book of Numbers. What a really, really long sermon it's going to be. Well, it's not. Just hang in there, all right? I just want to take a word of personal privilege to say thank you for having me. I'm a uh, first time uh, I, I got saved in 1991, then uh, we started shortly after that starting uh, to attend Putnam City Baptist Church. Uh, the youth pastor at that time, Bill Hulse, was about to take a bunch of teenagers to camp, and he said, I need some men who will go with me. I said, Anna, I can't do much, but I bet I can do that. And uh, we went to Falls Creek, and uh, I guess it's fair to say we've been pretty good buds ever since. He's put up with me for a long, long, long time, poured into my life loved me and uh, picked on me, and uh, I, I guess I've done the same to him too, picking on him too, but uh, I, I'm so thankful to be here. This church was instrumental in my life and my calling to ministry, and I will never, ever, ever be able to say thank you enough. This morning, I want to talk to you about faith. As a matter of fact, I've titled the message, Without Faith. So without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. And I would just like to start off with just a simple question that you, you probably can respond to by saying, don't you want to please God? I, I do. As a matter of fact, I'm consumed with it. I'm consumed with every day of my life. I know my Father's love is unconditional. I know what He's done in my life. I know that He will never, ever, ever pull. Listen, I know that. But that's what inspires me. That's what motivates me to want to bring glory to His name, to want to please Him in everything that I do. And the Bible says, John, you want to start by pleasing your Father. You want to start by being close and your Father and, and responding in a way you should. Then walk by faith. Walk by faith and trust him. So this morning, I want to talk to you, simple, simple uh, title, without faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. Faith is critical to your salvation, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God. Your walk and faith are critical. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith for this church is critical because the Bible says in James 2, 26, that faith without works is dead. And so this morning, we're going to talk. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to hopefully encourage you, uh, but ultimately, I want to just look at the Word of God and see and just talk to you for just a second about faith. So let me update you. Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 2. Uh, I, so I, whenever I, I didn't grow up in church uh, like most many of you did. Uh, and so whenever I first heard a sermon and somebody said, talked about Moses, I immediately thought about Charlton Heston, Google that, you guys go Google that, most of you. Uh, but I didn't understand exactly uh, all that was entailed, but I knew enough to know that the people of God, the, 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 the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt. They had been for hundreds of years, uh, and now it was time for God to let them go. He was going to take them to the promised land, the promised land of Abraham, their father. He sends a messenger by the name of Moses. Uh, they, they walk out of Egypt, millions of them. Uh, Pharaoh doesn't like that, so he goes after them. Uh, and the Bible says that, that God literally parts the Red Sea. The Israelites escape through there. And then as Pharaoh's armies with chariots are pursuing him, he closes it back. He rescues them. 
They're out in the wilderness wandering around and they have nothing to eat. Remember, they've been slaves, and, and that's a bad thing, but at least they, they had provided for them. Now they're out in the middle of the wilderness. They have nothing, nothing. And by wilderness, we mean desert. And so every morning, they wake up, and God superly, supernaturally places bread. He literally makes the dew uh, on the ground turn into bread. Y'all, that's a big deal, amen? But then that's not enough. They bellyache because, you know, I'm just tired of bread. I'm tired of bologna sandwiches, and I'm tired of sandwiches. Come on, can we have something else? So God literally, the, 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 the translation in the Hebrew is, he runs quail into the camp for millions of people every day. The quail run in and just fall over, and they eat them. They, they, there's no way that you can water, and you can provide water for these millions of people out in the middle of a desert. God says, I got that, and he brings water out of a rock. Over and over again, God leads them every day through a cloud and every night through a pillar of fire. But yet, God wants to show them even more about their faith. God is going to teach them something very, very critical about their faith. So they're wandering in the wilderness. It's time to go into the promised land. You'd think their faith would be ginormous, right? You would think it would be unbelievable, unmatched by anybody else. However, there's a problem. The Bible says that Moses sends 12 people into the promised land. He sends 12, and that's where we pick up our story. In Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 13, uh, verse 2, excuse me, chapter 13, verse 2, he says to, to, to Moses, send out for yourself, he being God is saying this, send out for yourself men so they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. And you shall send one from every tribe, is basically what he says. Uh, basically, there are 12 tribes, and I want you to send a leader from each tribe, and I want you to go out. I want to show you something really, really quickly in our text. I want to show you that before we even get into the report, that God had already shown them, and God had already told them. He said, Moses, I want you to send these 12 spies into the land, into the land that I might give you. I want you to send them over to see if, it, see if I'm able to give you this land. Did it say that? No, it didn't say that. It said, I want you to send the 12 spies over into the land that I'm giving you. It's a done deal. I'm going to give you, I promise, the promises of God, listen to this, you can take to the bank, they're always tried, they're always true, because our Heavenly Father, when He promises something, He will always deliver. He never, ever, ever, ever breaks a promise. And I think about the promises that God has made us. I think about what God has, the promises, the great promises that he has said to us. I was with someone very, very recently going through a very, very difficult time through cancer and then death. And now she's having a just, she just doesn't, nothing makes sense to her. And I looked at her and I said, I don't, I, I don't know all the answers, but I know this. She said, I just feel like God is so distant. And I said, well, let me promise you he's not because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. I was talking to someone recently that had a difficulty, uh, literally lost his job and was struggling with, what, what about this? What about that? And he said, Pastor, where am I going to? Where am I going to? How am I going to? What are we going to do? How, where, my, my, how am I going to get my kids? How, I, can't, I don't even know if I can pay for my kids' little league fees. Da, 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 da. And I said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about the promises of God. God said, God said that I've been young and I've been old and I've never ever seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed beg for bread. 
That's a promise of God. I don't know about you, but the promises of God in my life are critical. I know that as he gives me promises, I know that my faith, while my faith is not in things, my faith is in him, but sometimes when I struggle with my faith, listen, I can focus on what he has promised me. And oh, he's made some amazing promises. Think about the promises that he's made to your church. And I know that the promises for the church are, are specifically universal, and you've got the universal church, and you've got the local church. I know Pastor Bill's been teaching you about this. But listen, let me tell you something. The local church, you can apply, and you can know that God's hand and what God wants to do through his church is critical. And the Bible says that God promised you, Putnam City Baptist Church, he promised you this, that you know what? The gates of hell will not prevail against you. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on, no matter what comes into our life, the, the truth is God's promise and the fix is on. Do you know what a fix is? You know what a fix is? That, that's when it, there's people who are guaranteeing they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure this happened, the fix is on. We see that in sports. We see in all kinds of other things. Look, we're not, the, 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 listen, God's not a cheater, but the fix is on. We win. The church is going to win. He promises that. And so we see that. So we see that God had given him some tremendous promises, and he said, look, I, I, this wasn't a negotiation. This wasn't an afterthought. He said, I promise you, here's the promise, that land that I'm going to give to you. By the way, that promise wasn't just for them. That promise goes all the way back to Abraham. It goes all the way back to Abraham at covenant, that he said, I'm going to give you this land. This is your land, and it will be your land. So what happens? Well, and look at verse 31. In verse 31, they go over the, the, the 12, remember, one from each tribe. They go over, they spy out the land. Then they come back to the tribe. They come back to Israel. They cross back over the Jordan, come back to the people in encampment, and they give a report. The, the Bible says that what happens is they come, and there's Aaron and there's Moses, and they come and give a report, and all the people gather around. They knew where they had gone. There was an excitement to get them back, get the report. Here it comes, and look what they say. In verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, remember there's two, we'll get to them in a second, they come back, they give a quick report, now the other 10. We've gone with them, here's our report. We are not able to go up against the people, for they, listen to this, they are too strong for us. In verse 31, I want you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this, the first lie, lie number one. See, this is a lie from this standpoint. Now, there is some accuracy in the fact that he says, look, we are not able. Let me tell you something. There's many times, I hear people say all the time, God will never put more on you than you can bear. Folks, that's not biblical. Often God will put more on you than you can bear because it's in those moments that we lean on God. It's in those moments that we understand the power of God in our lives, Listen, let me tell you something, people of Israel. That land that I promised you that I'm going to give you, well, we can't take it. Listen, that's a lie because God's already said he's going to give it to you. Lie number one the enemy gives is, is that, you know what, you can't. But let me tell you something, you can't is the beginning of strength. It's the beginning of saying, you know what, I can't, but I can because of God. God will often, listen to this statement, God will often call you to do things that you cannot do. If you heard that, say amen. Oh, that nine, that nine, that earlier crowd blew this bunch away. Man, they were much louder. I'm listen. God is often going to call you to do things you can't do, and the sooner you learn that, young people, the better off you're going to be. Because it's in those moments that you understand that when I can't, God can. 
And when God can, that's when, that's when you see the power. And that, listen, you talk about walking in faith and understanding that God has bigger plans than you could ever imagine. Listen, when we walk by that, we understand that. That, when we do things and we understand that we can't, but God can, that's when we understand some things. Watch this. First of all, we understand that's where the fruit is. That's where the fruit is. When we understand that, that there's things that we can't do, but God can, it's there that we have the fruit. Whenever, uh, whenever I'm pastoring my church, there's been s- several times, one specific uh, that I felt like we needed to go a direction, and I, I always get good counsel, and I was talking with some guys, and, then, and one of my dear friends said, hey, I, I, pastor, I'm just not seeing this. I don't, I don't see that. You need to be careful, because if we go there, I think it's going to put us out on a limb. And I said, you know what? And it was only the Holy Spirit giving me this. Only, only God could have given it to me. And I looked at him and I said, that's okay. It's out on the end of the limb where, it's where the fruit is. You see, it's when we get out on a limb that we see God's fruit. That's when the fruit, and, and that's when we, we really become, and we really start growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's there that the fruit in our life, that the things that God's pouring into our life begin to come out. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I hope you did. I'm going somewhere. Watch this. The next thing is, is not only is that where the fruit is, that's where the fun is. When we find ourselves in places where we, we can't do it, but God can do it, and that's all we've got, not only is that where the fruit is in our life, listen, that's where the fun is. You know what I mean by that? That's when we see God's hand. Now look, folks, i got to tell you something. I, I, I believe in God is who he is and, what, and does what he says he'll do and all the other things, not because I see him doing, but because I've just believed that, I've faith that, but there's sometimes in my walk, I don't mind seeing his hand. I don't mind seeing him move things. I don't mind seeing his fingerprint. I don't mind seeing him do incredible things. And it's when I get out there and I'm in those places where there's, it makes no sense. I'm on the end of, the, end of my rope. I'm out there. I can't do this, but God can, that I have some fun because that's when I see God moving in such a powerful way. I see his hand. I see his direction. I see his personality, his characteristics. I see him doing. That's when it's fun. Not only is that, but watch this, but it's also, it, that's where faith is. I, 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 that's where my faith gets stretched and that's, listen, when it stretches, that's when it grows. Any of you guys like to lift weights or, or to do any of that thing? You like to work out? Hello, are you there? Yeah, listen, some of you like to work out. You know the only way you're going to get growth in muscles is what? You've got to stretch the muscle. As a matter of fact, there, there's even micro tears of stretching. That That's what causes growth in your muscles, you lift heavier and heavier and heavier to stretch that muscle. To stretch it, that's where the growth comes from. Your faith needs to be stretched because that's where the growth comes from. As we step out and we walk in faith and we see God, then we know that it grows. So lie number one, you are not able. Let me tell you something. I'm not able to do much in my own power, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can because of him. Lie number two. Line number two is in verse 32. So remember, 10 of the spies have come back because their lack of faith, they're presenting these lies. Lie number one, you can't. I, I, I can't, but he can. Lie number two, look at it there. It says that, you know what? The land, the land, it's a land that devours its inhabitants. So they gave the sons a bad report of the land, verse 32, which they had spied out saying, the land through which you have gone in spying it out is the land that devours its inhabitants. You know what's so funny? 
just a few verses for, before that, we find out that the 12 came. Their hands were full of the fruit, the honey, the, the, all the things that God had promised, this land flowing with milk and honey. They come back with this incredible bounty of amazing fruit, of amazing things that's, on the other, that's in the promised land. And they come back and they show the people. And then that's in verse 27. And then just a few verses later, they look and say, hey, let me tell you something about that land over there. No one can survive over there. It's brutal. You can't make it over there. Literally, in, in, in the language there, he is referring to the, to, the, to, the, to the dominance of the armies, but it's also talking about this land is so harsh, it chews you up and spits you out. Now, now I'm almost picturing the spies as they're like, would you look at this incredible fruit? And, and, and look at all the honey, and look at the produce that's over there. The promised land, it really does flow with milk and honey. Now, you see, but... It's a land that devours its people. It's a land where you, cannot, you can't even survive over there. It's almost like they just had to hide it and put it aside. and it, Almost like somebody's looking going, well, what do you mean you can't survive over there? We, you, you're showing us that you can. Listen to this. Why the two reports? Why the two reports? Why? I believe fear had crept in. Watch this. When we don't walk by faith, fear will walk in. Fear will walk in. Fear is the opposite of faith. Could you say amen to that? And I, I'm not being difficult. And be, look, we all get fearful. We all have things that we're afraid of. We all have things that cause us to go, wait a minute. But let me tell you something. When we take our eyes off of God, that's when we get very, very fearful. These 10 spies, they come back and they're like, wait a minute. It's a land that inhabits its people. I mean, it, you can't even, it devours its inhabitants. You can't make it over there. It's a place where, 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 where it's just brutal over there. We can't go over there. Fear is a liar. If you remember nothing else I say, please hear me say that fear, when you're walking in fear and fear comes upon you, it's going to lie to you. It's going to make you afraid of something and make you think something that's there that's not there. It's not even reality. There's been some things in my life, and I'm too embarrassed to even be too transparent and tell you what it is, that I've been so afraid of, and I'm thinking, well, this person's saying this, this person's doing this, and this person, and I get so fearful, and then I come to find out none of it was even true. Not any of it was even true. Because why? Because fear is a liar. Fear will, will, will lie to you. Number two, not only fear will lie to you, fear will change who you are. Fear will, will, will oftentimes change who you are. It'll change your personality. It'll change the way you see things. It'll change the way you talk to people. It'll change the way you treat people. When we walk in fear, listen, it absolutely will change personalities. I've known some of the most godly, amazing people in our life. They get a little fear in their life, and I'm like, who are you? It changes so much about them. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you walk in fear... Not only will it lie to you, but you'll notice that, listen, you'll begin to, it, it'll just start changing the makeup. You know why? Because you were not created. Once you're a new creation in Christ as a Christian, and as God is sanctifying you, that's a big word, it means making you more like Jesus and less like you. When you stiff arm faith and you start embracing fear, you're getting off the track of sanctification that God has you on. Now, don't worry. He's, he's faithful to begin a good work, and you will finish it. You're just going against what he's doing. Does that make sense? Hey, would you wave at me? If, is this on? Would you please? Good. Because listen, I'm going to tell you, this is big stuff. I, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When we get saved, 
We, we, we are saved. We are justified. If you would have asked me all my life, John Freeman, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah. In high school, I was, grew up in Midwest City High School. I was even uh, the president of the FCA. But I no more knew Christ than a man on the moon. You with me? But truly, when I encountered the saving grace of Christ, listen, it changed everything for me. And I didn't understand that, but I did understand that he justified me. Jesus did. That's called justification. When I get saved, I'm, Jesus steps forward and says, John Freem's not worthy of nothing, but I, I, I'll vouch for him. I'll cover his sins. And so I'm justified. At that moment, I, I, God is now setting, he's now ripping out, he's tearing, he's nicely pulling out, he's, he's helping me get off, he's pulling off everything of John Freem to make me more like Jesus. It's an everyday process. I mean, yesterday I was pretty good at it, right? The Sooners won. Had they not, I probably wouldn't have been very good at it, right? And so I, I, I began to process. And as I'm becoming more like Jesus, more like Jesus, more like Jesus, I'm in the process of sanctification. I've never seen, I've never seen that process so derailed than when we start becoming fearful. Does that make sense? So fear changes who we are. It's a liar. Lastly, I want you to see that fear causes us to lose focus. Whatever God's called us to do, we, we, we lose focus when we're fearful. I want you to see lie number three in verse 33 real quickly. Lie number one, it's a, it, 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 we can't. Well, that's a good place. Lie number two, it's a land that devours its people. Well, that's not true. Lie number three, the people over there are not afraid of us. As a matter of fact, they see us like grasshoppers. Look at verse 33, he says that. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. These were giant people. I don't have time to get into the, uh, the, the, men of, the, the sons of God who, who reproduced and got out of that domain and the, the byproduct. We don't have time to get into all of that. But just know that Goliath was a Nephilim. Goliath was a giant of a man. He was big, nine feet tall. I mean, huge. The Israelites are, 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 are barely, in the ancient world, barely five foot. They're five foot one, five foot two, and they're now going against, they're walking over, and they're seeing these nine foot people. And they come back and they say, we are like grasshoppers to them. We saw ourselves, not only did we see ourselves like grasshoppers, but they saw us like grasshoppers. Now, now, now real quickly, I want you to write this down. Don't turn over there because I don't have time. Joshua chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. You fast forward, Moses dies, a new leader comes along by the name of Joshua. You remember Joshua, he's one that gives a positive report, one of the 12. And he comes along and he sends some spies over. He sends some spies over and they encounter a young lady, a lady, a prostitute by the name of Rahab. Rahab hides them and, and helps them gain some intel by letting them know, listen, you, you hide yourself because we've heard ever since y'all got out in the wilderness, we heard how your God parted the Red Sea. We heard how your God devoured Pharaoh's army. We heard how you've destroyed some of the ites on your way here. And what we're saying over here, she literally says that we are melting on this side in your sight. Literally, the translation of the Hebrew is, is letting us know emphatically they were fainting. They were so afraid of the Israelites that they were fainting. They were so scared, they were passing out. Oh no, this, millions of people are crossing the wilderness. They're coming here. They're going to destroy us. 
well, wait a minute. The 10 spies said that they see us like grasshoppers. It's a lie. What we find out when they actually go into the land, the people that are in the promised land were scared to death of the Israelites. They were passing out. You see, fear will often, not only is it a liar, but fear is one of those things that causes us to understand that God, it causes us to miss what we should understand. God is doing, God is moving, he is showing, and then we walk by fear, not by faith. Many times we miss the incredible things that God's doing in our life. Listen to this. Most people, this is where I'm going to get out my preaching fingers to you. Ready? I got two of them. They're coming at you. I want you to hear this. I'm so excited to be here, fired up to be here, but I'm telling you, I believe God gave me this word for you. Listen, most people don't see God-sized things because they are too safe. We we don't see God-sized faith, incredible things because we're too safe. We're too fearful of getting uncomfortable. We're too fearful of inhabiting the promised land because it's a land that we, we can't do this. It's a land. You go over there, it devours its inhabitants. Not only that, the people over there, they're too strong and they, they're not afraid of us. They're, they're ready to just take us on. And none of it was true. And in your life, you're making up, you're saying, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Let me tell you something. That's a great place to be because God can. And faith is the ability. It's this understanding that God, that I can't, but God can. What you think you can't do is okay because God can. What you think PCBC can't do is okay because God can. I, I, I kind of stalk y'all from afar. Did y'all know that? I, I'm in northwest Louisiana, and I, I, I stalk y'all. I told you, you're my home church. I watch. I think y'all do night to shine probably as well, if not better, than anybody around. And I've watched. We do it. And I, I sent my team to Bill. Say, go, go copy what they do. Unbelievable. At some point, you had to say, you know, there's no way we can do that. There's no way we can minister to that many, like that. Are you kidding me? And look what God is doing. Look how God is using you to minister to to folks uh, to such great need. I mean, you can go on and on and on, but the great moves of God and the great, uh, dare I say, and folks, I'm going to tell you, I'm from here, I can say this. Class of 1986, Midwest City Bomber, I can say this, I know this area, I'm telling you, this area needs revival bad. It needs it. And all God's looking for is a remnant with enough faith to say we can't, but God can. He's looking for a remnant. Y- y'all don't like my old, my old Testament terms. God's looking for a church to say we can't, but God can. And until that's going to happen, and it's not going to happen until you're willing to quit being safe. Does that make sense? I went to my church. Uh, been there 15 years now. It's literally, literally, with w- somebody. Steve Gaines, a pastor out of Memphis, is the one that termed it. He, he said, man, you're literally the pulpit in the pasture. And it, it's true. If I can look out my office window and there's cows around. or It's just we're out in the middle of nowhere. And it's uh, uh, unbelievable. But let me tell you something. My first Sunday I went there, 400, 450 people there. They had had a split. They fought and got mad at each other over some stuff and split. And so I came in, and I just began to love on people, preach the word, and we're going to talk about that leaders this afternoon. 
And I'm gonna tell you, we've, so, we've seen God do incredible things every Sunday, every Sunday. And, and we, don't, we don't even, people say, what do you do, what do you do? No, we just tell them we're gonna do it. We do some follow-up, but we don't spread them out. We'll baptize any, any Sunday you want. And folks, we baptize anywhere from two people to 15 people every week. Every week. That, you can applaud that. And, and you say, well, he's bragging up there. No, listen, my prayer every day is don't mess it up. I, I don't want to mess it up. And we've seen uh, marriages healed. We've seen anything. We've got a professional fisherman in our church named Nick LeBroom. Look him up. His name's Nick LeBoom, one of the top fishermen. I'm talking true professional fishermen in the world, on the Bassmaster and the, uh, uh, one of the other tours. Unbelievable. Was having an affair and, a, and, a, and was cheating on his wife and everything. His wife would come to church. She literally prayed and she said, Pastor, I want you to pray. What do you want to pray about? I'll, I want to pray that God will do whatever it takes to save my husband. Well, when she found out he was having an affair, she came and she said, I never dreamed this would be the whatever it takes. I never dreamed it. She said, Pastor, watch. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? God's going to save your husband. You watch. And she said, oh, Pastor, don't worry. My faith is strong. It was not that long, not much longer after that. Nick, literally, she confronted him, threw him out, he was out driving one day, had his boat pulled over on the side of the road, got out a gun and was going to kill himself. And he just, just, just said, I'll just make one phone call before I do this. And he called a guy that talked him out of it. He was in church a couple of weeks later. The preacher got up. It wasn't me. I had a guest evangelist in named Bill Britt. You need to have Big Poppy up here sometime. He got up and he said, he's just a big old boy. Uh, listen, I'm not even going to preach right now. I'm going to give an invitation. Somebody, God's telling me right now, somebody needs to get saved. So, so we can move on. Whoever you are, get up and come down here. Nick, boom, got up. Listen, I've got a 2,200-seat sanctuary. Nick got up, ran to the front. said, preacher, take him, lead him to Christ so we can get on with this. I took him out in the hall and led him to Christ. And I'm telling you, he's one of the most faithful, godly men I've ever seen in my life now. You see, God's faith-type things come when we set aside the fear, the things that encumber us, the things that we, that, that we get focused on. You, 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 if Brother Bill said, I'm going to put a group of you go spy out the promised land of where God is going to take us, what would be your report? What would you say? I, I'm, I'm getting old now. Don't amen that. I, 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 whenever I was here, golly, I was... We were young back then, Bill, weren't we? We were Cammy. Cammy, my first Sunday school class that I taught under Bill was with Cammy. And we, we taught and we, listen, we, I was dumb as a brick. And bless, Cammy was so instrumental in helping me and gracious. And I'm telling you now, I'm, I turned 55 this summer. I know. For some of you, that's young. And please, if you think that's young, catch me in the hallway and tell me that's young. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm a grandpa. For the first time, I'm a grandfather. And here's what I'm consumed with. I, I, I always think big picture. I want to I see 10,000 feet. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm passionate about leaving some things behind. I, I'm, I'm, the Bible says a wise man leaves his kids' kids an inheritance. I want to buy my great-grandkids their first car, or at least my inheritance to do that. You with me? Not only that, I, I, you know what I want to outlast me? I want my testimony to outlast me. What people say about me, and it's not about me. I really don't care about that. Honest to goodness, I don't. I mean, most people after I'm gone, nobody's going to remember my name, but I want my family to know. But let me tell you about, about Papa Freen. Let me tell you about that. Hopefully there's some people in the church say, you, you know, Pastor Freem used to say this. 
I hope my testimony outlives me. Not only that, listen to this. This is, I won't even charge you. This is bonus. Do you know your prayers will outlive you? You know, I can spend time in prayer right now for the people 30, 40, 50, 100 years from now, they're going to be affected by Cypress Baptist Church. I can pray for them right now. Did you know that? My prayers can outlast me. But you know what I'm consumed with? I'm consumed with my faith outlasting me. And I'm going to tell you why. That, that old boy from Oklahoma, now in Louisiana, in Cajun country, we could never get him to root for LSU, and they never will. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot that can be said about him. But he walked by faith. Wasn't the, most, wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Wasn't the best looking. Wasn't all these other things. But he was a man who walked by faith. Folks, the greatest moves of God I've ever seen in my family in my church is when we walked by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God.